just want to keep moving with what the Holy Spirit's been speaking on. The Holy Spirit showed us last week that there was this moment with a woman at the well. Who knows the story of the woman at the well? And she asked Jesus, where is the proper place to worship him? Worship God. Didn't know it was Jesus that who he was, but where to worship God. And Jesus responded to her in the book of John chapter 4, verse 23. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. We must be a spiritual people. We've taken the Holy Spirit out of the church. And the Holy Spirit wants to come back into His church. The Holy Spirit actually was hovering above the waters before God even created the earth. It says that the Spirit hovered above the waters. And you have to understand, and only in the best way our human mind can, but this trinity of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that nothing was made except that was made through Jesus. So we know that Jesus was before creation. We know that the Spirit hovered above the waters, and we know that God spoke it into existence. And the Bible's telling us very clearly here in the book of John that there is a people that Jesus was going to the cross for to purchase that would be spirit people. In fact, the only reason that the Holy Spirit had to be retracted from within you to then come again through Christ was because of Adam and Eve and sin in the garden. But the Bible says that God breathed life into Adam. He breathed, he created him from the clay. We are all human. We all come from the clay of the earth. And obviously, then the multiplication of that today. 8 billion people on the earth. That is all from that original clay that God breathed life into Adam. But the life of Adam, the real life that Adam had in the garden was not human life. It was a eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. Adam and Eve, they lost eternity but they lost so much more than eternity. And we must be careful not to make Christianity just eternity. It is not just eternity. Jesus is not just your ticket to heaven. Adam and Eve had so much more than eternity. Imagine their whole life is like, well, we're eternal. Can't wait for eternity. Can't wait for eternity. Can't wait for eternity. And God would be standing there going, uh, what about now? How silly as Christians. Listen, and, and I, I need to be so clear because I am so heavenly minded. I mean, I know heaven is it, but that heaven, that place that we live with Christ in heaven for eternity has already begun. It's already begun. It's here and now. God is looking for a people that are eternal right now. We are not going to die one day and then have eternal life. 
The Bible actually says that without Christ, you are already dead. We were dead in our sins. Everybody say, I was, past tense, right? Past tense, dead in my sins. But today, I'm alive through the blood of Jesus. Today, we are alive today. We are alive today. Eternity has already begun. The only thing that dies is your body. You do not die. In fact, there is no reason to fear death. Why would you fear death? You've already died. Why would you fear what has already happened? It's because we have too much connection to this human part, to this world. Jesus is talking about a type of people that are spirit people, a type of people that don't go to church to worship. They don't go to a mountain to worship. It's okay. We, can, we should. There's other, than other parts of Christianity. I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. This is something else we're doing. This is what the Bible calls the assembling together of the believers. This is the iron sharpening iron. This is the coming in and we are worshiping together and having an experience together, but you came in a worshiper. You are already worshiping God by living for Him. And we looked at that last week. For time, I don't want to re-preach last week's sermon, but just quickly, Abraham took Isaac and he agreed with God. God said, sacrifice him. He said, yes, Lord. And he showed us the picture of true worship. Worship was mentioned in Genesis before it was ever mentioned. It was mentioned right here in the story with Isaac. And he takes the knife, he takes the wood, he takes the fire, and he takes Isaac. And he says, let us go and worship God. And so worship is a picture of complete and total reliance on God. So when Jesus said there's a people that will worship in spirit and in truth, he was talking about a people that didn't leave their life, let me stop living my life, and I'm going to go and worship God. And today, there's still Christians that do that. Don't be one of them. In fact, we've all been that Christian at times. Jesus is not that he doesn't love that one. Jesus loves every single sect of Christianity, every single denomination. Jesus loves every religion. Jesus loves everyone that is not religion, religious. He loves every atheist. It's not about Jesus loving them. It's about being a real believer who you have a relationship with Jesus. That's our choice. Jesus' love is extended towards every single denomination, to every single sect of Christianity. But it is your choice to leave behind the religious parts that the Lord has called us to. In fact, in the book of John in chapter 5, Jesus is talking to the religious of the day, and he said, you're searching the scriptures to find eternal life. And don't hear me out. It's going to sound like heresy at first, and it is not. It is the word. He said, you're searching the scriptures to find eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And this is his point. You can read the Bible. You can have a biblical experience and miss Jesus. Don't tell me it can't happen because it happened then. He said, but you don't want to know me. 
In other words, you're wasting your time with the scriptures. And here there's so much life in them. I love Hebrews 4, right? Hebrews 4, the life of the word. But the word without Jesus and what that means that when I say without Jesus, it's like, well, what did Jesus think of his own word? Does that make sense? The word without Jesus is not the word. It's just a book. It's just words. But the word pointing to Jesus. Well, Jesus says, I want a people who have the word so inside of them that they became the word. Just as Jesus became the word in the flesh. And that can only be done, though, through the Spirit of God. Everybody say, it cannot be done in, in flesh, but must be done through the Holy Spirit. He is, the Holy Spirit is the missing key. The missing key in lifeless Christianity. Dead, dry Christianity is missing the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you let the Holy Spirit do his job, it is impossible to be dry because he's water. I'm, I'm not trying to go over your heads, but he, he, that is what he, the word points to the Holy Spirit as the water. The, even it, he, he hovered above the waters because it, it, it's, his, it's his nature. It is who he is. In fact, I was just meditating while we're worshiping here that H2O has two parts oxygen. And not to get weird, but when God breathed into Adam, he breathed the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can be water and be oxygen, but that's the Holy Spirit. It calls him pneuma. That's the Greek word for spirit, pneuma. You know what it means? It just means wind. It means breath. It means air. So the Bible calls the Spirit this wind, this breath, this air, and water. So it's the life in us, but it's also the watering. And then that's why the word, we say we need the watering of the word. If it's just word, you're going to get dry. If you're just reading to read to put your time in, you're going to get dry. You can be praying. You can be serving. You could be ministering. You can be doing all kinds of things for God. Because, And don't tell me I'm crazy because there was a people, Jesus is walking in flesh and blood. I mean, Jesus, you know what Jesus said to us? He said, Thomas, now you believe because you put your hand in my side, but there's, blessed are those who they believe and they've never even seen me. And that's us. And I do believe him. I don't need to see him to believe him. I don't need to feel him to believe him. I believe him because I know he's truth. And yet Jesus is walking in flesh and blood and people missed him searching the scriptures Knowing the verse is even better than I do to this day. It's all those guys did. He's talking to the, those that studied every little intricate part to the law. They studied in the original language. And they missed Jesus. Because it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that they needed. The Holy Spirit was knocking at every door. 
and is knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and our stubbornness is what keeps him out. When the word and the spirit join together, something supernatural happens, a revelation. We go to Peter. Peter is listening to the same words that Jesus is preaching to the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious of the day that weren't getting it. And yet he says, you are the Christ. And Jesus tells them the spirit in John 14 through 17, in that chunk of scripture, the promising the Holy Spirit that he is with them. They have allowed the spirit to work through their lives, around their lives, but soon he will be in you. And what Jesus really did was he restored this life that Adam and Eve had at creation, which was God himself, God, and us, human beings, walking in fellowship. And it was only possible because there was no sin and the spirit in God was in us. So look at this amazing picture. Now Jesus washes away our sin and the Holy Spirit comes inside. That's why the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. Because now you are born, you are no longer born of the first Adam. You were born with human nature. Say everybody, I was born with human nature, with sin nature. But we looked, in, we looked in Romans how you don't have to, you are not obligated to listen to your flesh, to listen to your sin nature. But it will try, won't it? It will try to speak every single day. You don't have to be convinced of this. Your flesh speaks. And then I wanted to look this week uh, briefly here at Galatians 5, it says, very similar to what it says in Romans 8, it says, verse 16, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Or you may know it as, walk in the Spirit. It says, if you let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and if you walk in the Spirit, it says in the New King James, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the NLT says, you won't be doing what your sinful or your human, that sin nature, the nature you inherited from the first Adam. The first Adam gave you a nature. You were born dead. Just know that. You were not alive and then inherited eternal life. You were dead. We need to understand the full gospel making sense so far. We need to really understand what the scriptures say. You were dead in your sins. We inherited a death from the first Adam. Jesus gave us life. He did not give us eternity. I'm saying it again on purpose. One day, he gave you eternity the moment you believed in him. The moment you believed in him, and if you are waiting for that day, then most likely you haven't let Jesus do completely and fully what he wants to do inside you. Doesn't mean I'm not waiting just like Paul says, I can't wait to, to shed this tent off, this, this flesh. It's so heavy, so irritating. I don't want this flesh in me anymore. I just want to, but he, he recognized that death and life had already happened. I just want to get rid of this body now. 
And we can do that. That's, I want that, but we need to know that we are alive right here and now. And, and as I've said many times, and I'm not the only preacher to say this, if the whole purpose was eternity, then the moment someone accepted Jesus, he would just snap his fingers and they would be taken to heaven right then and there. Why is it that whether it's five years old or 50 years old or 95 years old, that there is a living still on this earth? And that is because eternity began the moment you believed, not at death, of the body. It's so important that we know this because you'll live your life differently. It makes you live life differently. Because we think, oh, well, let me get done what I need to do and I need to be who I am on this earth and I've got earthly things to do so that I can do heavenly things. But we need to do heavenly things right now. We start building the heavenly kingdom right now. We're spirit people. The temple's gone away. See, what Jesus is pointing to is he's pointing to if you look into heaven, you're going to see there is no more sun. There's Jesus. He's the light. You don't, this, this natural world, you're still living here, but I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm not in a building any longer. We, and we, and this is, we need to do this because your flesh is stubborn. <laughs> this is really what this room's about because our flesh is still fighting us. And that's what it says here in Galatians. Let me just go to the scripture. It says, it says in verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil. And you don't need to be convinced of that. It's just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. You may know it as the flesh is lusting against the Spirit. It's, and, and what that means is I want to do what I want, and the Spirit wants what He wants, and there, His is non-negotiable. <laughs> Yours is. Your choices are negotiable. His are not. It says the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces, everybody say there's two forces. We need to be aware of this because Jesus is talking to us about a people that are eternally minded, eternally living right here and right now. And yet, though, we look at Galatians and says that there is still a war going on. The war is not to figure out who God is and what God wants. That's stated. The war is, let keep, we keep doing this. This is a daily cross. It's a daily thing with him. It is, it is Abraham getting up with Isaac every single morning. It's every single morning. I'm going to lay down the things I love most. I lay down my life. I lay it down. See, it was a picture Jesus took. We saw the picture that Jesus, the ram, he took the place of Isaac in the physical sense, and that's what Jesus did for us on the cross, and yet there was still a, there was the heart that joined with Jesus and his sacrifice. It was the heart. That's all that God needed. It didn't need him to actually kill Isaac. He just needed the heart that was willing you just need to be willing to give it all up. He may not make you and he may make you. I'm not, don't come to me and ask for what should I give up and what should I keep? Because I have no idea. Still figuring that out in my own life. 
But I know this, that he asks for more every day. I know that. I just don't know at what pace he's got you on. But he's going to ask for more every day. More and more and more and more. And what's happening here is that these forces, it says that they're fighting and you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But verse 25 says, since we are living by the Spirit, right? Because we are not living by the flesh and by our sin nature. It does exist and it wants to do what it wants to do. But we are, say we are, living by the Spirit. So let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And in the New King James, it says again, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Jesus purchased so much more, and it's really, it's really, uh, Uh, offensive to the Holy Spirit to disregard him. It says in Ephesians 4, and I love this book of Ephesians, I just felt compelled to preach a little bit from it today. I don't know where God will take it, but I just I read chapter 1 through 6 last night, and I just kept scouring in and out of it because there's so much. Some people have said that Ephesians is the entire picture, the entire gospel, all in those six chapters and it says in Ephesians 4, verse 23, to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. It says in 24, to put on our new nature. Everybody say, I've received a new nature. Your old nature, that's fine, <laughs> is evident. <laughs> that's the part of you as I've been preaching about I've been hammering this week after week because I know the Holy Spirit's dealing with this thing but this pride in us and unforgiveness in us and, and stubbornness in us that's our old nature but we don't live like that because we're not flesh the war is there the reason I'm mentioning it because it's still trying to get you and it's failing it rears its head and it fails. It rears its head, and it fails. In fact, the picture is the, the serpent. Remember, Satan comes to strike the heel, but the heel strikes the head. And it's this warring between Satan trying to bite. That, that's that flesh nature. It's not yours. Remember, you inherit. It is yours. <laughs> you are responsible, rather, Satan couldn't convince Eve to do it. He just gave her a compelling case that she then was led away by her own desires that says that she looked and the fruit looked good. Her own desires, that's what James says too, we sin when we're drawn away by our own desires. But the serpent is coming to, to bite. He came and, he's, and he strikes. And when you let that thing win, you've given him power. You need to understand this, that Jesus and the cross and the blood conquered it once for all. The only reason that the war is there is because we are letting Satan have power. The only reason he has power is because we've let him. If you don't do what he and your, that sin nature that he birthed in that, 
that moment. Remember his rebellion against God. He gave that seed into, really, she ate the, the, the apple or whatever it was, but really what she was eating was his wisdom. She ate of his wisdom that, I, yeah, I like your idea. I like that. You're right. I'm right. They're wrong. Wow. Just hit a nerve there. I could feel that in the Holy Spirit. Ding. Felt that sting. I knew that was someone. That's for you. I'm right. They're wrong. You're wrong. Because Jesus was wronged, and yet he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said to put on our new nature, not the Adam and Eve nature that you inherited, but this spirit nature, a nature of the spirit, the nature of God, the nature before the fall, the nature that walked with God, that nature, the nature that knew no sin. It says, verse 30, Actually, let me finish this verse, 24. It says, in the NLT, it says, created to be like God. Your new nature was created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, because it was God's creation. When you were born, this is weird, 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 weird to think about, but this is still truth. You were not God's creation. You were God's clay, and you had a mixture of Satan's creation, sin. Now, God did something incredible on the cross. And that's what, if you start reading, I just encourage you to read the whole book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, it talks about this. Jesus, he was predestined before the world began, before Satan ever tricked man, before man ever fell. Jesus was already prepared, and he stripped off. He took that dead man, that weight, those things that got put on us by sin, and stripped it off of us and gave us life again through Christ and through his blood gave us back our DNA. In fact, that's why when he says, it's not you, but Christ who lives in you, it's because when Adam and Eve were walking on the earth, it was already Christ living in them. And then when sin came in, it was no longer God living in them. It was pride, arrogance, sin, murder, as we see the very first sin out of the garden. Those things started coming out of that nature. But God didn't create that nature. That nature was birthed from the deception of the devil, who is still trying to deceive today. And you don't have to give him power, just like Eve didn't have to give him power. We do when we say, no, Holy Spirit, yes, flesh. And as I said last week, I need to say it again. It usually starts with I and deserve not fair, things like that. But verse 30 says, right, because we're putting on our new nature, do not bring sorrow, or you may know it as, do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. It is so grieving to the Holy Spirit when we don't let him rule in our lives. And it's, you know why it's grieving? First of all, because he loves you. 
Second of all, because when God did create humanity before it got corrupted, he wanted to have fellowship with you. And, and every time that you get into flesh, you are, you are distancing yourself. God doesn't distance himself from you. In fact, God doesn't send anyone to hell either. God never sent anyone to hell ever. You just choose not to walk the way to life. That's really the truth of the gospel. He only sends you where you already chose to go. He just opens the door. You've already been there. You've already been walking there. If you're there, you're there. Or you're in life. There is no gray. There is no in between. There's this way and there's that way. There's not parallel paths. It's not really clear that I'm off the path, I'm on the path. That's not true. You didn't make a little turn and veer off. It's you have to turn around. In fact, the picture of the word repentance means turning around. Turn from your sins. It's not, oh, I got a little off. No, you didn't get a little off. <laughs> you off. <laughs> you said it right. But the Holy Spirit, and, it, and it's really pictured there in Romans 8 too, and for sake of time, go read Romans 8. He is there to help you. So he gets grieved because we have decided not to listen to him. Not only, he doesn't just tell you what to do, but he says, this is the right way and I will help you do it. Who has stepped out in faith towards God to something that you thought you could never change, you could never be, and it seemed impossible, but you knew it was the Holy Spirit directing you and it wasn't easy, but you felt the strength all the way through. Who has seen God already do that? And just in these next minutes, and again, I'm going to stay right here in Ephesians. I wanted to go to chapter 4 first because he's telling us some things and then he gets to that. And so I want to show you why. And so this picture of what Jesus did, he says in Ephesians chapter 1, and I love, and we've prayed, if, if you're a believer, you've been a believer for a while, you've prayed the Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 prayers for yourself or for other people, and they're so powerful. I'm praying them for myself in this church right now. He said in Ephesians 1 verse 16, I've not stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly. And I just make a quick note, this is a constant prayer. That what he's about to say is that every day, every moment, if it takes every second, then you need to say it every second. I pray this constantly. I didn't just pray this once. This is a continual. Everybody say, it's a continual. He said, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight, and, or you may know it as uh, wisdom and revelation, which is so key. Because it's really the revelation. It's not just the word, but it's the revelation of really what it is is, what the word is, who Jesus is, is the revelation of his blood, the revelation. You can't just be told that there is life and death. It's the revelation that, wow, and you all know it when you've had that revelation from God in one area of your life, when your eyes are just open and you just want to share it with everybody and you want to, you want, hey, look at this verse I found. And they're like, yeah, I know that verse. You're like, no, you don't. You don't know it. Because I've had a revelation. Come on, we've all been there. 
when God gives you that revelation, we need that. And he's praying that that would be a constant thing because that carries you, doesn't it? When you've, had a rev- when you've been told there's life and death, whatever, whatever, so what? I, me- I remember as I was a kid, I had a friend who was like, whatever, hell's where the party is. Because he was told there's life and death, but he didn't have the revelation of what hell was. I've had a revelation of what hell is. I've had a revelation of what heaven is, and I don't want hell. But if you don't have a revelation, you just think, well, that's whatever I think it is. The revelation is really the revealing. It's the unfolding. It's the truth of what's being said, not just words. Because we twist words, don't we? You know, we can twist words any way we want. I had a friend said once, you can twist anything to any way You can justify just about anything in your life if you twist it the right way. And it is so true. But that's why we need a revelation because the Holy Spirit reveals, that's not what the Word says, you bozo. Talking to myself. Word doesn't say that. This is what the Word says. And when I've I've had revelations, I mean, even recently, and we all should, constantly things that I thought I knew, and he's revealing the fullness of it, and you just say, wow, God. And I want this to be constant, he said, continual. This is a constant thing I'm praying for in the knowledge of God, or in you knowing him is really what that means. Those words right there is the more you know him, it only comes through knowing Jesus. And how do we know Jesus? We actually know Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his own disciples who walked with him flesh and blood, he said, the Spirit, not I will remind you, the Spirit will remind you of the things I said. I know it seems subtle, but imagine, imagine you have three kids and you take the two kids in, they're always eating dinner with you, but you always, the other one is like, well, he's still your son, but you just kind of like talk about him in third person. You bring his food into his room, and you're like, well, he's still my kid. I know it seems subtle to say the Holy Spirit or just say God, but the Holy Spirit has been kind of like boxed out of our lives. And yet he's so key because he is who Jesus comes through. Jesus came into the earth. In fact, you want to get crazy. Mary didn't sleep with a man. The Holy Spirit put himself into her womb. So Jesus is the Spirit anyway. That's why this Trinity is a little bit hard for our minds to get, and yet it exists. And then Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. He was... He was led by the Spirit. He spoke by the Spirit. He cast out demons by the Spirit. Everything he did was by the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't we? I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand. See, this is, is again, that revelation. You need the light of God. You need his, the Holy Spirit, and, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself. He's here. He's right here. He's in these verses, but I need you to see that this is all Holy Spirit. It says, we'll be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich 
and glorious inheritance. I like how the NLT puts some periods here, so it's not such a giant mouthful, although that's a good one. The traditional text, Paul just carried on for like 20 verses. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's still a mouthful there. NLT put a period there. There's this revelation that can only come through the Holy Spirit. We need, we need it. I pray constantly that you'll get this because if you get this, you won't grieve the Holy Spirit. Once you can get this, once you get it. And this is interesting because if he's telling the Ephesian church that I'm praying this for you, that, was, that meant that he was aware. And I did some studying. The Ephesian church was the largest church of the day. And he was aware of some flesh going on in the church. So don't get offended if I talk about flesh or you having flesh or you having sin because Paul's talking to his Ephesians church the same way. But that we have an answer, don't we? So he said, I prayed. I prayed that you'd have a revelation. He said, I pray that you will understand the incredible. And this verse 19 is really what I want to hammer home to you today for the rest. This power, everybody say the power. The power of God for us who believe him. You could spend, and you know I could, weeks on this verse right here. Because there is this incredible greatness of power for us who believe him. Now listen, if you just leave that verse by itself, you'd say, yeah, greatness of power towards us. Let me show you, and the verse tells us what type of power is towards you. It says, everybody say, the same. This is the same mighty power, verse 20, that raised Christ from the dead. But it gets, it's greater than that. He said, I pray for you constantly that you'll get this revelation and multiple, multiple facets. I'm not going to read those verses again, but there's this revelation of multiple things that you need to get as a real believer. And he starts off Ephesians 1. I mean, this whole book is, you need this revelation. This will be your key. If you can get this, then the flesh is going to have so little power in your life. It's going to try, but when it tries, you're going to say, no way. Your flesh will try, it doesn't matter how old you are, to say, <laughs> right? But your spirit inside you, when you've had a revelation of, wow, wow, the greatness of God that's working in me. Holy Spirit, I'm, I don't want to grieve you. I'm not going to grieve you because of how powerful. This is so big. He said, it's not just the power that raised Christ from the dead, although that's incredible. Everybody say, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible enough that there, the power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It's for us who believe. There's life that can bring back from the dead for us. You see why the Holy Spirit gets grieved when we are bickering with each other. When we're still doing our own thing and building our own kingdom. Holy Spirit's like, do you realize what was done for you? 
I didn't just punch a ticket for you. Jesus gave his life for you, and I came inside you. I made my residence inside you, and it hurts me. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It hurts me more than we could ever understand. When we, it says grief. I mean, I can't understand the weight that God feels when we say to the Holy Spirit living in us, I'm not interested in what you have to say. It was so powerful what he did. It didn't just raise Christ from the dead. It says it's the power. And this point we need to do the run on because it's important here. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. This power that's in us. Let's just keep saying it's in us. It seated him at the place of honor. The power in us. It's the power in us that placed Christ at God's right hand. The union, the fellowship, the oneness of God. Jesus took on the form of humanity. He took on the form of sin nature and showed us, as I've preached before, that he could live without it ruling. He came into a human. He could have just come. You know, Jesus just could have come without being in a human. I think God's bigger than the natural way of reproduction, considering he bypassed it anyway. And yet he said, no, that won't be enough. It's not enough. I'm going to come into a sin-filled body and rule in it. And let's look at this picture. The Holy Spirit came into. It says that Mary was, there was an inception, right? By the Holy Spirit. Wow, look at this picture. Look at this picture. The Holy Spirit came in us. And so if Jesus lived the way he did, why are we not living like Jesus? when the Holy Spirit did the same thing in us that he did in Mary to bring out Jesus. And it says, there's bigger than this. Come on, everybody say, it's even bigger. It says that Jesus, and the NLT sums it up. You can do your own study in verse 21 that there are layers to the kingdoms of, of the unseen, whether that's darkness or light, and you can do your own study. But verse 21 sums it up to say this, and I think this is just as accurate, that Jesus is far above any ruler. Jesus is above. And wait, so let's just wait. The power in us is the same power that placed Jesus above any ruler or authority or power or, le or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. In the seen and the unseen, there is no excuse for flesh. In fact, that's why the Holy Spirit's grieved because he says, do you realize who you are? Sorry, Jeannie. 
That's a revelation that Jeannie had. I know she's sharing that soon. Just popped out. That'll be a, a preview. Do you realize who you are by what I've done for you? And I, we don't have time, but he, again, in Ephesians 3, he talks another prayer. And just verse 16, because for time, he says, I pray from his glorious, unlimited and these words here, if you look at the Greek, it's incredible because it's the word for the word power here. It's an indwelling power, verse 16. There's a, there's a power, this empower that we get into English is talking because it's a power inside. But he talks about it. And if you've been a Christian a while, you know the word. It's dunamis. It's the word we get the word dynamite from. It is this, di- this explosive crush the flesh, destroy the flesh. Nothing can stop it. The devil can't stop it. Your flesh cannot stop it. The only reason those things are ruling is because we've let them. The only reason the devil is, oh man, the devil's been giving me a runaround. Well, don't let him. That's it. Jesus didn't let him. Did he come? Did the devil come to Jesus? Of course he did, because it wouldn't be fair for his blood to represent our blood if he didn't. But Jesus didn't let the devil rule. And the Bible says that Jesus was tested in all ways. That means that the internal, that's not written, but all the internal struggles that you go through as a human being, Jesus dealt with internally. So we got the devil and we've got the internal. And it says that Jesus was without sin. It's incredible. Now, I have to say this because of the incredible love, credible, and I've been preaching here and there this season about God's grace. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for that heart that will get up early and say, yes, Lord. He'll worry about the perfection. Jesus will do the perfecting. Where Jesus stands in the gap, where he yokes with you, where Romans 8, where the Holy Spirit helps in your weaknesses, the Holy Spirit is not beating you up. He is grieved And yet, he says, every single time that you do mess up, let me take it again. Again. He never, ever, in contrast to humans, we say, you know what? Because Peter, he asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Should I forgive seven times? (laughs) That's a good number. Not one, seven times. Seventy times seven, Jesus says. And what he's implying is, Don't stop forgiving. The Holy Spirit, every single time says, let's start again. Let's start again. Let's start again. Let's start again. There's an unlimited, it is, there is no end. And if you will let me, nothing can touch you. There is a place, and we just don't have time, but there's a place you can walk with God. There's a place that you can get into with him that nothing and no one will touch you. Nothing can. You can't touch yourself. Your flesh cannot touch that spirit. It's warring. You are aware of it. Jesus was aware of it. He was well aware of his flesh when his blood was coming out of his sweat pores. That was flesh. That was his humanity. And yet, thy will be done, he said. Because that was the flesh coming up, I mean, literally rising to the surface. Talk about not giving in to the point where that flesh is coming out of his pores. And I'm not giving in. Nope. 
I'm not answering this flesh. And while that's funny, it's the Holy Spirit. I don't even know the reference. I know the verse. He said, uh, you haven't given, it's in Hebrews 10, I think. You haven't given your lives to bloodshed yet. So keep going. That's the summation of it. Until there's blood coming out of your pores or blood coming out of your body in death, just keep going. Keep trusting in the Spirit of God. Keep leaning upon Him. Jesus did it, and He showed us that He could do it all the way to the cross. And as this shows us here in Ephesians, and there's so much more here, it's just so powerful. He didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't just overcome the flesh, but He gave Him eternal life. I mean, eternity and power, and a position, and a place, and nothing, and no one, in time, and outside of time, and powers, and etc., that being, and unbeing, and whatever, whatever you can possibly imagine in the seen or unseen, can touch Jesus. And we have that spirit that did that in us. What does he want to do in you? What does he want to do through you? Let's just stand and pray. Thank you, God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you're with us, and your word says that we don't have you unless we have the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit is already in us. But, Lord, in the book of Acts, you touched them many times, Lord. You came again and again and again. Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would remind us of your presence again. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, they lived by you. It wasn't just the workings out of you, but they lived with you in them first. And then the workings just flowed naturally. But I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would give us another revelation of who you are in us. I thank you that you gave us the first and you gave us many sins, Lord. Many sins, that revelation that I need you. But Lord, I pray you'd give us more and more and more and more and more, Lord God, because every single time that flesh that tries to live in us and through us, it dies. And I thank you, Lord, every time it dies, I thank you, Lord, the enemy loses his power. I thank you, Lord, that the light in us starts shining brighter. And I thank you, God, that we start encountering, we start experiencing that heaven Lord, that we will be in without flesh eventually, Lord, but we start experiencing it right here more and more and more, Lord God. We would live in that place now, Lord. We'd live in that now, and just like your word says, until you reach the fullness of Christ, the full stature of Christ, there's the continuing until then, and I thank you, Lord, but we're praying for that fullness we stand, Lord, as even possibly the final church, Lord, the final hour. We pray, Lord, that the fullness of Christ, he must stand up. It's time for that fullness. The training and the baby stage is done. The baby food, the milk, Lord, it's time for us to be living, eating, and breathing you, Lord God, like your word commanded us to the fullness of Christ, living and walking and being on this earth, Lord. On earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just give you glory, Lord God, and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.